Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Slice of Life right here on your Saturday morning. We're here every week, a little lifestyle radio coming your way, and it's my pleasure to be here to talk to folks from all walks of life around Western New York. And uh, a little later, we're going to talk to the gentleman from Dining Out for Life about a big fundraiser to help folks at the Evergreen Health Center, which uh, whose objective is to uh, shine a light on people living with HIV and AIDS. And how does that impact the restaurant community? We'll tell you all about that in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to the dogs and cats and birds and everything else. Dr. James Brown is with us. He is formerly of the Blue Cross Animal Hospital and used to be my vet, took great care of my cats, uh, Havoc and Lois, way back when. Dr. Brown, always a pleasure to see you at least once a year talking about the mini vet school. And it's great to be back. Thank you, Brenda. Great to see you. Thank you so much for coming in. And the mini vet school was kind of inspired by something you saw driving down the street. I, I love the story you tell about how you helped create this mini veterinarian school. How did that all come about? It came about by a trip down Bailey Avenue when I drove by the UB Medical School. There was a banner hanging out in front, Medi- um, mini medical school tonight. I had never heard of such a thing, kind of registered it and kept driving. Later that day, I met a couple clients who were so excited they were going to the mini medical school. So I asked them about it, and it turned out that the medical school uh, offered classes to the general public in their lecture halls, hosted by the professors from the medical school. So they would talk about neurology or osteoarthritis and cardiology, slightly in layman's terms, but still they had notebooks and a real feeling of being at the medical school. I thought, that would be great. We could, do th- we could do that. And I went to the, medi- the medical school, and at first the professor in charge of the me- mini medical school said, no, that, that, that wouldn't work. We couldn't do that. Until we got talking about his standard poodle. <laughs> and then we talked for a little while about his poodle, and you could see him get more excited talking about the poodle. By the end of the conversation, he said, we could do this. <laughs> So wow. about 20 years ago it started, and once a year for the last 20 years, we've had a mini vet school. I, I think it's a fabulous idea because so many of us who are animal lovers uh, view our pets as part of the family. I cannot imagine not having our pets. Um, it's been a big change for me, Dr. Brown, because when you knew me, I had cats only. Last December, my husband brought a puppy into the house for her, a Christmas gift for me. We named the little guy Walter. He's a Bichon Frise uh, Shih Tzu mix called, uh, as you know, a teddy bear breed. Just a delightful little dog, beautiful, beautiful little doggy, but quite a switch for me from having cats my entire life. Um, and um, we still have a Siamese cat named Donatella. It's been a bit of an adjustment for her, but I think she's getting used to Walter, and they kind of have moments of detente, as I call it, <laughs> where she'll allow him to lick her and you know nuzzle up against him. Our other cat, Dexter, wants nothing to do with Walter, however. So these these two cats and our new dog are so much fun, and they add so much to our lives that it's a, truly a part of the family. So do you think that's why um, something like a mini vet school that happens once a year appeals to people? I do. If you ask almost any 10-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up, veterinarian is often in the number one or two slot. So I think it's a basic human desire to help the helpless. Many people go on to become not veterinarians, obviously, but it's always in 
a need that we have and a desire. And it's fun to watch the different relationships that you and your husband have with a dog and a cat. Yes. You know, the, the yes. dog is devoted to you. And a cat sort of tolerates you and <laughs> lets you feed them and take care of them. If they deign to let me, right? <laughs> it's so true. Um, Jack, did you know you wanted to be a vet when you were a 10-year-old kid? Absolutely not. Um, I was a history teacher for about eight years before I was a veterinarian. I taught at the Nichols School here in Buffalo. But in the course of some of my classes, we went to a dairy farm and milked cows for a weekend with eighth graders. We had a ball, but in the course of that, I saw a veterinarian come and treat a couple of cows, and the treatment was miraculous. It's for milk fever, a, kind of a common bovine disease, but the treatment looks miraculous when you don't know what's happening. And then to top it all off, the treatment allowed her to have a calf, which again, for a city kid, I grew up at Kensington and Bailey, for a city kid to watch a calf be born was, again, just miraculous. And somewhere in the back of my head, I thought, I could do that. Wow. I would like to do that. And slow but sure, I put the courses together and went back to night school and summer school and applied to Cornell. Spent four wonderful wow. years in Ithaca. And how great. And you went to an Ivy League school. And I did. How wonderful. Did. How impressive to make that transition. And how many years did you practice? Let's see, uh, 30. Wow. 30 years. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, the mini vet school um, is uh, the sessions are on Tuesday evenings, and it's October 1st. 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th, so every Tuesday in October. And the nice thing, too, Dr. Brown, they run from, the, the sessions run from 7 to 9 p.m., so it gives folks an opportunity to maybe relax for a few minutes after work and then head over to Medi mm -hmm. College, which is the setting for the mini-vet school. And each week, whether it's the 1st, the 8th, the 15th, 22nd, and 29th, is a different subject. So um, did you have some role in determining what the subject matter would be? Originally in the classes we did, but lately I've turned the organization of it over to younger veterinarians. Um, we've had everything f you can imagine for topics, and this year they're really interesting. One of the very first ones is about therapy animals and how, how, what a special role they play in our society now. Yes. But also switching over completely. The first night, we're talking about laboratory animals and how important they are to us and how forgotten they are. And they receive some of the best care you can imagine. For example, every animal, for example, at UB, gets an exam every day. And that's more than I can say for our own pets. <laughs> yeah, um, or ourselves. Yes. Right? <laughs> Another topic this, this year is canine police officers. Fantastic. Again, yeah. special use of a canine, special stresses and needs the canine has, I think. Um, one of uh, the people on the ski patrol with me had a dog for avalanche work. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Here, and you can't think of it in western New York as having many avalanches, but we actually did, and she's trained for other reasons, too, to find people who are lost in the woods and how stuff. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. th and then you get into the training aspect of that and how yes. the animal is selected, and I'm sure many other topics as well. Um, and some of the commercials that we're running, you would hear this on our sister station, WBEN, questions about uh, whether animals are colorblind or do cats always land on their feet? Are, you know, fact or fiction, I guess you could say. Yep. There's a lot of different stories about animals, a lot of different folklore. Which of those hold true? That's one of your topics as well. It is. Um, Mythbuster, myth, sorry, Mythbusters is what they're going to <laughs> call this one. No, it isn't. Um, but also that night they're going to go online on Google and ask questions of Google just so you can see the information and sometimes the misinformation that you can get off of Google. Basically, you can find whatever you want. 
an opinion for whatever you want on Google. It should be an interesting night because it's going to be live questions and answers off of Google. What a great idea because yeah. people say, oh, I went to the University of Google. And you kind of take it as gospel, but this will, oh, this will oh. prove it. I love that idea, Doc. Yeah. One of the things we hear a lot about nowadays for humans and to some degree pets um, is the popularity of CBD oil and CBD treatments. Now, uh, can cats and dogs benefit from something like that as well? They can, and yet we're walking kind of an interesting line using cannabis in animals, but also the same topic. We're, we're worried about toxicity of cannabis sure. in animals, so people might have brownies on the table, and uh, <laughs> the Labrador eats a plate of brownies, and it's very serious. So there are benefits to CBD oil in pets, and also dangers of cannabis and pets. Good to know because it, it, so many people, it's become so mainstream. Did you ever think you'd see that in our day and age? No. Nope. I didn't either. I grew up in the 60s and 70s and uh, never thought I'd see it legalized. No, that's for sure. Now, the mini veterinarian school is a five-week series of lectures. And uh, is there a different veterinarian each week, Dr. Brown? Two different ones. So there are 10 oh. different veterinarians that will be giving you lectures. And you can sign up for all 10 or individuals. So um, individual lectures. If you sign up as an individual for all 10 or five nights, it's $60, and it's a really great bargain. Um, $40 for students and $40 for seniors over 65. Oh, nice. Individual lectures, if something really caught your interest, you can sign up for a single date for $20. Um, I, I Googled it. It's a coincidence. <laughs> of course you did, right? Mini vet school. <laughs> and all you need to do is Google mini vet school, and you'll come to the Niagara Frontier Vet Society page about it and how to sign up. The number is very easy to sign up for, too. It's 880-2306, and that'll get you to the sign-up uh, site. Beautiful. 880-2306 for the 2019 Mini Vet School, 880-2306. Doc, I've got to ask you in the couple of minutes we have left. You practice uh, veterinary, veterinary medicine, and I must tell you, very compassionately, because when I had to put my cat down, uh, you could not have been kinder to me. I was an absolute puddle of tears, and uh, and I'm sure you dealt with it day in and day out. But you made me feel like it was special to, me, and you Thank knew you. how special it was Thank to me. You, yes. Really appreciated your compassion. Over your 30-year career, what did you see in terms of advancements that really, you know, blew it out of the water for you that you never thought would happen? I think that the ability to look uh, inside animals especially with now digital radiology. Mm -hmm. uh, we're able to get instant, detailed pictures of the inside of an animal. Also, ultrasound, although the technology was there when I graduated, it seemed like far-off science to us. Now just about every practice has the ability okay. to do an ultrasound of a heart. Uh, dentistry is another thing that was pretty crude when I started. Uh, but now, believe it or not, we have dental specialist, board-certified dental specialist in our area, and almost every veterinary clinic can do routine dental care, too. So some of the things that have come along are just fantastic. I wish I was 30 again and starting all over <laughs> yes. just to see it all happen again. Does it parallel in some ways the way medical advancements have occurred for humans? Absolutely. And one of our biggest challenges right now is that almost everything available for humans is available for pets. But the costs involved are so dramatically different um, that it becomes hard to do some of those things. And it's very frustrating for both the patient, the client, and the veterinarian to be limited by those 
incredible costs. And as we close, I have to say, I think our animals are living longer because of this advancement and just the awareness because of courses like the mini vet school and just getting the word out. Um, Their quality of life, I think, is much better and the longevity, therefore, is better. I think we're feeding them better than when I grew up. Yes, Um, It was often cans of Elpo or just table scraps when I grew up in the 60s and 50s. But now diets are much better. People are much more aware of safety for their animals. You know, they keep them and a leash in the city or indoors if it's a cat or yes. at least in a yard if it's a cat. So safety and diet are wonderful. And parasite control has gone totally easy now to keep them parasite free. And dealing with wonderful people like you who <laughs> can take you. care of our animals uh, means the world to me. So thanks to Dr. James Brown, who was kind enough to come in and talk about the annual mini vet school. Again, it's every Tuesday in October. So first one is right around the corner on October 1st, 7 to 9 p.m. at Madai College. Plenty of free parking in the rear of the school. If you're interested in registering or finding out more information, simply call 880-2306, 880 Dr. Brown, Thanks a million. Great to see you again. Perfect. Great day in Western New York. Thank you. You bet. We'll be back right after this. Are you a fan of succulent hand-carved beef and turkey? Do you like having fish fries available every day? Then come experience fresh, scratch-made favorites at the historic Glen Park Tavern in the heart of Williamsville. The Glen Park Tavern's hand-carved beef and turkey are available in-house or for parties as well. Enjoy a delicious selection of hearty salads, sides, and soups seven days a week. Visit the Glen Park Tavern on Main near Cayuga in Williamsville. It's not just a meal, it's an experience. Local Restaurant Week is October 7th through the 13th. Over 200 local independent restaurants dishing up tasty meals all week long. Visit localrestaurantweek.com for details. Local Restaurant Week. Local fare. Local flair. Local Restaurant Week is October 7th through the 13th. Over 200 local independent restaurants dishing up tasty meals all week long. Visit localrestaurantweek.com for details. Local Restaurant Week. Local fare. Local flair. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. And welcome back to this edition of Slice of Life on your Saturday morning. Hope it's going well for you. Well, as always, we want to thank Kevin Carr for doing all of the technical work for us behind the scenes. The K-Care, invaluable to Slice of Life week in and week out. Well, believe it or not, it's the 17th annual Dining Out for Life, which is uh, a wonderful array of restaurants coming together to help folks Uh, who are dealing with HIV diagnoses and AIDS diagnoses. And it's sponsored through Evergreen Health, which is based right here in Buffalo. And Rob Barrett is with us. He is the director of fundraising and events from Evergreen Health. And also Christian Wilmot, who is the co-owner of Marble and Rye, a wonderful restaurant. Been in business already four years in downtown Buffalo. Both gentlemen are here to talk about the 17th annual Dining Out for Life. Guys, welcome. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Rob, uh, tell us about the origins of Dining Out for Life and kind of the whole idea behind how people come together for this one night, which is on October 1st. Correct. Yep. So uh, Dining Out for Life started over 30 years ago in Philadelphia and has since expanded to a nationwide event. It happens in about 50 cities across the U.S. and one city in Canada. And uh, we do the event uh, in the beginning of October just because it kind of fits well within our calendar. Uh, And we get about 80 restaurants who all agree to donate uh, 25% or more of the entire day's food bill uh, to the HIV services of Evergreen Health. 
And it's to benefit folks who are, have a diagnosis of HIV or AIDS, is that correct? That is correct, yep. Uh, there are about uh, 3,400 people living with HIV in Western New York. Uh, Evergreen services about 1,500 of them. And so uh, we have all sorts of different HIV programming at Evergreen, everything from nutrition to transportation to housing to medical care. Um, and while we serve, you know, we, Evergreen really started as a uh, response to the AIDS epidemic, um, you know, 30 years ago. But since then, we've expanded our services. But HIV has uh, always remained near and dear to our hearts. Do you find that uh, there's less stigma attached to a diagnosis now as opposed to, say, 30 years ago? Yes and no. I think... Um, in the city, it might be a little less uh, stigma, although there's still pockets of that. But I think the farther you get out of the city of Buffalo, you kind of run into more and more uh, stigma that's still out there. So the money that's realized from this, Rob, uh, it's for education, support services. Do you help folks try to find employment, all of that type of thing? We do offer a lot of different comprehensive services. Um, a lot of the money that's uh, raised goes to testing and education uh, to help folks, um, you know, make sure that they're getting screened for HIV. Um, and then, you know, we have field educators that go out to venues all over the place to help folks uh, learn more about HIV. I remember you were here last year and you had a young woman with you who was HIV positive mm -hmm. and, you know, really benefited from what you do in these programs and how great for so many restaurants to come together, to band together uh, for this project. And as I'm uh, just perusing your brochure, you have restaurants from all corners of the area, from mm -hmm. Medina, the Southern Tier, Chitawaga, North Buffalo, West Side, Elmwood Village, downtown. And speaking of downtown, Christian Wilmot is here, the co-owner of Marble and Rye. Christian, uh, what motivated you and your partner, Mike, to uh, your business partner uh, to become involved in this? Um, well, it was pretty easy as far as a decision goes. Um, you know, I've said this to Rob in the past, but we work so much day in and day out. We don't really get the opportunity to give back to the community as much as we want outside of that. You know, if we want to spend any time with our family and friends, it leaves very little outside of, of work for us. So this is a great way for us to get involved uh, and to give back to a great organization um, while also doing what, what we love to do and, and bringing new people into our restaurant as well. Now, you've been in business four years at Marble & Rye. What is your exact location? Uh, we're located at 112 Genesee Street downtown, uh, right in between Oak and Ellicott. Uh, it's very easy to find us. And you're known uh, for some great cocktails. I, that's what I enjoy at Marble and & Rye. And uh, if I recall correctly, it's been a few months since I've been there. The menu is somewhat limited, right? You like to focus on several items as opposed to having everything under the sun? Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we like to say curated more than yes. more than limited. But uh, like basically the, the, appro like yeah, the approach that we take is uh, that everything we do is is scratch made essentially so um, everything from the bread that you're eating to the protein is either broken down in house or, or baked in house um, our regular dinner menu uh, is curated so that it, it stays fairly consistent we change it about four times a year uh, and then we have a pretty extensive list of features that we run every night so anywhere from seven to ten additional dishes be they small or large uh, entrees um, that rotate usually two sometimes three times a week and right. that's uh, really again all sourced as locally as possible uh, gets a little tougher in the winter but right now we have tons of goodies from all of our local farms isn't so. that great the whole farm to table movement has really taken off locally locally and certainly nationally. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And we're really blessed in this area. The the farms that we have supply us with some of the best ingredients. You know, I think I can probably speak for most of the restaurants that are doing what we do, but uh, the best ingredients that some of us have ever had, you know, that produce, uh, protein, 
or, or otherwise, it's just fantastic. Even dairy, I would think. Oh yeah, as well. absolutely. You know, absolutely. it really runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in, in today's day and age, Christian, and you tell me, I mean, you, you're dealing with it day in and day out. It's more important than ever to support local. And I think sure. in this town in particular, you feel that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would hope that any you know smaller city would, would feel that way. But I think for us, it's it's so easy. I mean, we know all of our farmers very well. Um, some of them we consider very close friends. Uh, we see them multiple times a week. And, uh, you know, not only would we like to support them as friends, but they're also just providing us with such a high quality product that we'd be silly to, to not support them. And do you find that too, Rob, when you're putting together an event of this scope that people really want to support the locals and help folks in their own community? Absolutely. I feel like Buffalo is such a generous community. Um, you know, we if we can get through the long, dark winters together, uh, you know, I think people <laughs> right. are very generous and very willing to come out to all sorts of different events and and give generously to those events. You know, last year I was just reading some information about uh, how well you did. Over a hundred thousand dollars was mm-hmm. raised, yep. right? That's fantastic yeah. That's yeah. for one night. Yeah, you know, yep. and and so. What should folks expect? I mean, is there some sort of literature or a website that they can go to say, hey, I'd like to support one of these restaurants? Yeah, all they need to do is go to diningoutforlife.com slash WNY, and it has the entire list of participating restaurants. Uh, And then from there, all they need to do is make a reservation. Uh, We really recommend that just so it kind of helps restaurant staff know what to expect that night. Um, and then just go out and have a great meal. Uh, there'll be raffle envelopes on the tables that you can, you know, add an additional donation if you want, uh, which then enters you to win all sorts of fabulous prizes like an iPad or a $500 gift card to Amazon. Wow. Um, a $500 gift card to Reed's Jewelers. You know, we've got all sorts of great stuff, but really all you have to do is go out to eat. It's the easiest fundraiser <laughs> you could possibly participate in. It's my in. favorite <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's terrific. And then do you find that people, um, because of their connection with Dining Out for Life, tend to turn into volunteers or ambassadors? Or is there a little bit of a spinoff effect? There is. There is. You know, on the uh, raffle envelope, there's a spot where people can check to say, I want to be an ambassador next year. And we do get Hmm. a number of people who do that and then become involved in the organization. So it's really you know, as much as it is a fundraiser, it's also a great way to get people involved at Evergreen. What are some of the business sponsors of you uh, that you've partnered with for this? So KeyBank is, again, our presenting sponsor. Uh, they are um, matching any donation on the night of the event, dollar for dollar, up to $15,000. Uh, Lolly Insurance is, an, is another one of our great sponsors. Uh, we have a partnership with Lyft, who is donating, uh, well, we'll give a, a, a coup, um discount code uh, for $7.16 off a ride that night. Nice. Um, no coincidence, 716, right, of right. course. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you know, Stephen Ellen Gedra of Black Sheep Restaurant are our co-chairs, uh, and they're just fabulous, and they do so much for to help us for this event, so it's great. We're talking with Rob Baird from Evergreen Health, Director of Fundraising and Events, and Christian Wilmot, who is the co-owner of Marble and Rye in downtown Buffalo and one of the participating restaurants, and it's 80 restaurants total, right? Mm-hmm. So, Christian, was it difficult to get in, or, you know, it sounds like it might be a pretty competitive market. Um, it is a competitive market, but uh, Buffalo is a very welcoming city, uh, especially from a food perspective. Uh, anything that we can do that's new and exciting, I think people are very eager to, to try. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think any new business is going to struggle a little bit, but we've definitely found the community to be extremely supportive. Uh, and it's nice for us to be able to, you know, we were sort of at the beginning of, I think, a transition in, in dining where a lot more restaurants, uh, as Rob mentioned, Stephen Allen Gedra, the Black Sheep, um, you know, they're probably pioneers in this area as far for as sure. farm-to-table dining is concerned. And I think we, we've 
amongst others, tried to follow in their footsteps. And, um, you know, I think we've, we've seen a lot of success with that. People seem to love what we're doing uh, more and more every year, honestly. So we just celebrated four years, and I think it's, it's better than it's ever been. Congratulations. I've got to get down there Thank again. You. And um, you must get asked a lot to donate or to participate in various causes, and there are so many great causes. It's hard to really even list. I could list 10 off the top of my head, mm-hmm. and there are so many more. How do you and your partner decide what to pick and choose? For example, with Evergreen, is it something that you thought, we want to be in the forefront of this and be among those 80 restaurants? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Evergreen and and Dining Out for Life specifically makes it so easy for restaurants to participate because we're doing what we would normally do. We're attracting new clientele who are coming out for, you know, specifically for Dining Out for Life. Um, So it's kind of a no-brainer. A lot of the other donation requests that we get are obviously just a straightforward donation. and, And not to say that they aren't great causes, but Dining Out for Life really nailed it as far as allowing restaurants to participate and also showcase what they do um, very easily. What about the range of restaurants, Rob? There must be all types of cuisine, right? So if people want to enjoy a particular type of cuisine, they can do so? Yeah, there's everything from tacos to fine dining <laughs> to pizza to, you know, wine bars. I mean, there's really something for everyone on the on this uh website that's the beauty of it too if you you know if you're in the north towns you can maybe head up to the falls or if you're down in the south town south buffalo uh chitawaga depew even the southern tier and the restaurant scene is more rich than ever mm-hmm. i think what a great time to be in buffalo yeah it's never yeah. been better i think as far as, as far as i'm concerned for sure and this is dinner only right rabbi i want to stress that this is not no there's it's, actually oh, so you have some additional yep, meals okay some, some restaurants uh will do breakfast lunch and dinners uh some will just do dinner uh, it's really uh, kind of up to the restaurant we leave it up to them what they want to do and uh, you can tell which restaurants are doing which meals by going to the website and it'll, Perfect. it'll show you you know it's not a nine-to-five world right so people right. eat at all different times and it's nice right. to have that option if you want to grab breakfast and still feel like you're contributing to uh, evergreen mm-hmm. uh, one last time guys what's the website uh, diningoutforlife.com slash wny diningoutforlife.com slash WNY and it's Tuesday, October 1st. Folks, get your uh, forks ready and go out and enjoy yourselves. Christian Wilmot from Marble and Rye, thank you so much for coming in. Best of luck and go get him for that fifth year of business. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Rob, always a pleasure to see you. Best of luck with the event this year. I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park again. Great. Thank you. It'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. As always, thank you for carving out a slice with me and go Bills. Take down that Brady Bunch. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.